0: Fantastic to be with you guys today, and it kind of feels like coming home. Um, you know, 15, 16 years ago, I was involved as one of the pastors out in our botany campus. So it is just great to almost, it just feels like home. And I get, uh, I recognize a few of you and that have migrated to the best part of Auckland. And that, so it's good to just be here today. And what a great privilege it is to be part of this series called Alignment. And can I just say... There is no better person to align your life with than Jesus. You know, I just want to encourage you that. And, and I've found that sometimes it's no mean feat to do that because there are times when you say yes to Jesus and you start stepping into the plans and purposes he has for your life, sometimes it can be hard. Sometimes you're going to drop the ball. You're going to make mistakes. You'll feel far from God. But it's about the journey. And, you know, it's about the journey and choosing to follow him each day and walking in the plans and purposes he has for your life. And as you start this journey with Jesus, as you align your life uh, with him, you know, he's going to show you his plan, his purpose for your life, and you'll discover your best life in that journey. And that's part of what Growth Track does and, and helps you sort of identify that as well. But I love what Paul says. In Colossians, he says this in Colossians 2 7. And it's simply, this let your roots grow down in him and let your lives be built on him. So, when you start off and you give your life to Jesus, the next step is allowing your life to grow those roots deep in Jesus. And it's about building that firm foundation on him. But that is not easily done, you know. And how about this? in tough moments, it can be incredibly hard. And when you find yourself in those hard, tough moments, maybe even feeling like you're in an impossible situation with life, we're generally given two choices. The first one is to run to God and continue to allow those roots grow and you trust Him and all that. But there's a second one. We can run away from God. You know, and, and at times, Depending is if your roots are down deep in Him, it will hold you to stop you from running at times. But guess what? I often find, you know, my background is that I'm an engineer by um, qualification and all those things. So I love to fix things around the house and all that sort of stuff. And you just ask Maria, there's a whole mess around the house because of my projects at times and things like that. But, but I often try to solve things first. And I've learned in life that if we do that, we can make a mess. I was thinking about it this way. When I was four years old, and this, this memory is very vivid in my mind, I decided to do something for my mum one day. I decided to bake her a cake, you know, as a four-year-old. And so I set out and I started baking away. And, and you've got to remember, I worked in the food industry for quality bakers later in my life. And so this was the forerunner of that. And as I was baking away, I elbowed the flour, and it fell on the floor. And I looked down and I thought, oh, this is not good. But I've seen mum, you know, mop up the floor of water. So I got a cup of water, poured that on the floor. I started mopping it up with my hands. <laughs> Who knows? At a four-year-old, I didn't know that made glue. And so I'm making this mess on the liner. And I thought, heck, I've got to wipe it up because mum wipes up things. So I looked around, found newspaper, which were around in those days. And I got it and I wiped it all up. And you know, like the ink of some of that newspaper actually leached onto the floor and stained the lino. When mum came out, she was not impressed. That's why it's a permanent memory in my mind today. You know, I just want to tell you. But sometimes we do that when it comes to the things of God. We go, man, I'm in this difficult situation. And we try to fix the thing. And then at last we stop when we're sitting in that pile of goo and mess with newspapers stuck to your face. You finally say, okay, God, I'm going to pray now. I want to tell you, in the tough moments, let your roots go deep in Him. In that. And, and I just want to, you know, I want to take you on a journey today. And it starts off in John 5. And this tells the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000. And a lot of you will be familiar with this. And you see, what happened was Jesus had just crossed over the Sea of Galilee with his disciples. They'd just been doing a lot of ministry, and they were just having some time out. Because it was good to take some time out. And as they were having this time out, in the distance, sitting up on the hill, they looked out, and they started seeing a few people coming. And then it became more and more, because these guys had heard about Jesus, they recognized his ministry, and they thought, flip, we need to connect with him, because he's going to do a miracle, I need a miracle, I've got an impossible situation, and he's the one that's going to be the solution, so about, it says about 5,000 of them come out, and they're all sitting at the baseless mountain, and, and as they do that, you know, these guys were tired. They were worn out from their ministry. And, and we find it in John 6, verse 5 and 6. It says this, And Jesus lifted up his eyes, and seeing the great multitude coming towards him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread that these may eat? You know, but, th- but this he said to test him, for he himself knew what he was going to do. Now, what you need to understand about this particular text is Philip was from this area. He was a local boy. You know, he knew all the best spots. And I don't know about you, but if, you know, like I know nothing about Pukekohe. Like I just know how to drive here because of Surrey. And so you guys, I don't know what a good bakery is for lunch. I don't know what this is. But if I sit with Daryl, he'll be going along. Oh, that's a great place to eat. This is a great place. He'll even say, this is the Waikato, even though I still think it is Auckland, you know, just vaguely, You know, and everything else. But the locals always know where to go. You know, you can imagine Philip. He's going, man, this is where I went to school. That's the tree I fell off of and broke my arm and and that there. And, And where we're now is the best lookout point for the whole place. So Philip knew where things were. So Jesus turns to him and says, we have got a pile of people turning up. Where do we get food? He goes, oh, there's that bakery. There's that, ba- countdown. It it's doesn't work out, Jesus. And it was almost like he gave him an impossible problem. You know, and, and I don't know about you, but we all have impossible problems we encounter in our life at some point. I don't know what it is for you, Maybe, maybe it's a financial issue as interest rates go up. You know, I've just refixed my mortgage and the interest rates have doubled since i last had it fixed. I'm thinking, oh my goodness, maybe for you it's a family issue. Maybe it's a family member that's far from God. Maybe they're going through some hard moments. Maybe for you, you've just got a health report and you just look at it and you haven't got further than just looking at it. But at some time in our life, we will face an impossible situation. And here we are, feeding the 5,000. Do you realize that outside the death and resurrection of Jesus, feeding the 5,000 is the only miracle that shows up in all four Gospels? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Do you know why? Because so many people saw the miracle. That wherever Jesus went, they would be talking about that one. You know, because there were 5,000 plus people there. In fact, it was bigger than that. They believe up to 20,000 people witnessed it and was part of it. And here's the thing. God will never tempt you. Because notice what he said. He said to Philip, I'm, doing, I'm asking you this question to test you. Yeah. You know, to test you. And God will never tempt you, but he will test you. And you see, a faith, I believe a faith that cannot be tested as a faith that can't be trusted. And I really found this myself back a number of years ago when a Hillsong song came out, Jesus, lover of my soul. And I remember at the beginning of that year, I had a great job, everything was going well, I was engaged to get married. And um, and that song went, Jesus, lover of my soul, Jesus, I will never let you go. You've taken me from the miry clay and you've set my feet upon the rock. Now I know. I love you. I need you. My world may fall, but I'll never let you go. My Savior, my friend, I will worship you. And I sat there, and I remember in church where I was, I was raising my hands going, man, God, that's me. Yeah, that's me. But you know what? It was untested. It was untested. So therefore, my faith was unproven. Within, By the time Easter arrived that year, I'd broken up with my fiance. I'd made the worst mistake at work you could make that cost the company $200,000, and I broke a major piece of machinery on a production line. Great being Quality Assurance, isn't it? And, um, and on top of that, my lifetime mentor of 15 years died of cancer. Wow. You know, But what I love is God can take what was meant for harm and turn for good, yeah. because later on I met my wife, you know, the one God planned for me. And today I have three beautiful kids. Um, And on top of that, you know, from my work mistake, they kept me employed because it was a good learning expense and training program, and it taught me work discipline. And it changed the way I did work. But the biggest thing of all, when I look back over that year, by the end of it, I could actually sing, Jesus, lover of my soul, Jesus, I will never let you go. Why? Because I knew that I knew, that I knew. I let my roots in that hard time go deep. So, you know, Jesus gives Philip an unsolvable problem. And as he was doing that, as we look, like in Matthew, it says in Matthew 14, 21, the numbers of those who ate was about 5,000 beside the men and children. So it could easily have gone up to 20 to 25,000 people. So just imagine for a moment on that hill, seeing up to 25,000 people coming over. And Jesus just turns to Philip and says, so Philip, how are we going to feed them all? And Philip's just going, man, that's just unsolvable. But how many of us have unsolvable problems? You know, for me, I've got aging parents. Um, they live in Palmerston North, and as you heard, I live in Nelson. That piece of water is very expensive. In fact, I want to apologize before right now, is my family um, were founding family, one of the founding families of Palmerston North. It's kind of my fault it's actually there, but it is a great town. So if you're from there, you are awesome, and um, it's great to have you here with us today. And, um, but you know, I found they don't want to move. You know, no, so no matter what, and so we, we order groceries for them, we order dinners online, and I just get phone calls about six times a day, and I just get the impression they're not living their best life. You know, we visit them up to two to three times a, um, a year, but then on top of that, we feel their frustration gets projected into our family as well. So that's my unsolvable problem. What's yours? Where are you today? So how, in the middle of all that, Do we dig our roots down deep, as Colossians says? How do we build our life on Jesus? And I just want to give you some simple answers to that that maybe you can grab hold of today. The first one is keep a heart of compassion. Choose to be compassionate, because an unsolved problem is often followed by a heart of compassion. You see, you need to understand that Jesus and the disciples have been working long and hard and were worn out. You know, Jesus also had friends of John the Baptist show up that same day and tell him that John had died in prison, his cousin. So Jesus was not only dealing with tiredness, he was dealing with grief and a whole lot of other bits and pieces. So because of all that, they decided to go up to a mountain. They said to Philip, Phil, hey, Philip, you're the local. Where do we hang out? And he says, see that mountaintop over there? Fantastic view, great time, hang out there. So they all went there. And then here they are with over 20,000 people approaching them. So the disciples' first reaction was, look, Jesus, we're all tired. Why don't we just go out there and just send them away? Shew them away. It's all good. Just shoe them away. But Jesus says, no, don't do that. And i found that the best things God wants to do in and through your life will usually come as an interruption. Yeah. Have you noticed that? Even flying here. Yesterday, I'm on the plane, and I'm, I'm sitting there, and I've got my um, iPad out. I've got a great movie because it's about an hour 15 to here. I'm about to settle down, and this lady sits next to me. And she was a lovely lady, and she's going off to California to visit her family for the first time. She's 86 years old, and she just wanted to talk. She just wanted to talk. But can I say, I folded up my iPad, put it down, because that interruption was worth it. Because God shows up and, and shows off. And, and, you know, and for us, we find in Mark 6:34 this is how Jesus does it. And when Jesus, when he came out and saw the multitude and was moved with what? With compassion for them. Because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began to teach them many things. So before he gave them physical bread, he gave them the word of life, the bread of life. You see, God cares about our hungry stomachs, but he also cares about us. And we need to find compassion. Now, talking about my parents, I got a phone call earlier this year, and oh my goodness, dad rings up and goes, Richard, we've lost the instructions you wrote out to operate the DVD player. One hour later, we still hadn't found the eject button on the video player. I tell you, there was low compassion that day. Low. And so I get off the phone frustrated like anything. And I start telling Maria, my wife, the story. And do you know what she said to me? She said, you need to be more compassionate. I'm like, huh, you're right. It sucks, but you're right. That's what I love about wives, eh, guys? They are right. In fact, we had we had in the first um, service today um, a couple that came up again had been married for a number of years, and when Daryl asked him what their secret is, he just said, "My wife's always right." <laughs> it's true. It's true. So you know we need to chase compassion in everything, because as soon as we lose the heart of compassion, on whatever our unsolvable problem is, we'll either get angry and bitter to the people around us, or we'll aim it at God, two people that don't deserve it. So the first thing when you're facing an unsolvable problem, you know, to allow your roots to go deep in God, is to keep your heart of compassion. And then this next one gets even better. Don't write off the unlikely solutions. I love Philip. Philip's sitting there and he's going, Okay, Jesus, you asked me how to feed. He's probably still sitting on that hill thinking it through. And he actually pulls out a calculator and starts doing the calculation. He says, Man, it's going to be over eight months' wages and a good job to pull this off. We just can't do it. You know, how this is how much it costs. He couldn't get past the problem. And how many of us, when faced with a problem, we can't get past the problem? And you know what was even more amazing about Philip? He was there in a wedding feast. A year or so earlier, when they ran out of wine, and Jesus turned the water to wine. So Philip knew that Jesus could do a miracle that created food. He knew that, but the problem was so big in front of him that he couldn't get past it. Meanwhile, I like Andrew. Now, these disciples are amazing grumpy. Uh, group of guys. Andrew always brought people to Jesus. And this time he rocks up with a little boy with a lunchbox. And that go the children's ministry. I've got to tell you, that is one of the most vibrant parts of church. And your kids are getting blessed today. But this little child wanders up because he was out there in power zone today. And this little child goes, man, I can help. And Andrew sees that. So he takes him to Jesus. You know, Andrew brought his brother to Jesus. He brought this little boy to Jesus. He does three cameos in the Bible, and the last cameo, he brings these random Greek guys at the end of John to Jesus. And so this is what it was Andrew's thing. So he brings these guys to Jesus, um, and says, "Man, I've got this. I've got this little boy with a lunchbox, you know." And and not only that, is because I spent a few years working for Quality Bakers, I learned, and it's ironic that I spilt flour a four-year-old on the ground and made mush. But but this family. The blows were barley bread, and back in those days, it showed that it was the cheapest bread you could have. So it just showed that these, this family was not the wealthiest, and this child just offered it all to Andrew. And, and, you know, I just get most blown away by that fact of generosity. And here's the thing. The recipe God wants to use for your miraculous moment in your life right now is right here already. It's actually sitting there, Right now, you know, to sow the seed and let God grow it. Maybe you're thinking, man, I've got an unsolvable problem when it comes to finances. Well, write a budget. Even if you slowed it down, write a budget. Start trusting God. You know, right in front of you now, you've got connect cards. You can actually write a prayer in that, and people will be praying for you. You can connect into a small group, and together you guys can uh, have people praying for you every day and encouraging you. Maybe it's change your diet. You know, start doing something small. You know, don't write off the unlikely solutions. Because God is saying, give me what's in your hands, and I will unlock what's in your heart. You know, Mark six thirty-eight says this. But he said to them, how many loaves do we have? Go and see. And when they found out, they said five and two fishes. Wow. Think about it. Think about it. Andrew's sitting there. 25,000 people in front of you. What are we going to feed them with? Well, I got five loaves, two fishes. That's going to work. Trust you God. I'm going to hang on. That wouldn't even feed us today. You know, think about it. And and so so how do we allow in those hard moments, those difficult moments your roots to go deep? Here's the next one. We actually have to choose thankfulness. We have to choose thankfulness. See Jesus prayed over the loaves and the fishes. Before, they were multiplied. And guess what? He gave thanks. So, someone here today needs to hear this. We have Jesus holding not enough, and he gives thanks to God for it. Someone needs to hear that. You know, you can, in an impossible situation, say, this is only a test, and I'm going to thank him anyway. I'm going to choose thankfulness with what's in my hands. See, 1 Thessalonians 5, 18 says this, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Things begin to change when you have a grateful heart, standing in the middle of an impossible situation. But notice this. He didn't just bless the food. He also broke the food. God always blesses what he allows to be broken. You just need to look at the Beatitudes. So, when you face your impossible moment, and maybe you're not in one now, but it will happen, what do you do to allow your roots to grow deep, to build your foundation on God? The last thing I want to share with you today is choose to eat well. Choose to eat well. Everyone, every single person there walked away with full stomachs. It says this in John 6:11. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to the disciples and the disciples to those sitting down, and likewise of the fish, as much as they wanted, as much as they could eat. The word of God can feed you as much or as little as you choose. It's actually your choice. You know, a 19th century theologian and preacher, Charles Spurgeon, put it this way This is one of the rules of Christ's feasting. As much as they wanted, according to your appetite, according to your will, according to your faith, so be unto you. You choose. In this season of an unsolvable problem, how much will you eat? How much will you let God in? How much will you allow your roots to go deep? You know, how much will you choose God in each of those difficult moments? Maybe it's just choosing to show up every week at church. Maybe it is filling out and getting prayer and support. Maybe it's that small group. Maybe it's getting involved in serving, even though it may not make sense. Choose to do that because The thing is, it's your choice of how much you eat. And what I love about this miracle is the disciples all went away with a basket. You know, there was excess to this miracle. And I have found that Jesus is not just enough for the situation you're in. I have found that Jesus is more than enough. There will be excess. And you've just got to step in and walk with that. So in your impossible season of life, Think of Colossians 2, 7. It says this, let your roots grow down in him and let your lives be built on him. And what I love about the scripture is then there is a promise. He says this, if you do allow your roots to go down and if you build your life on him, then your faith will grow strong in the truth you are taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. You know, who wants to have a faith that grows strong? Who wants to have Thankfulness overflowing in your life. Church, why don't we pray? Father God, I just thank you this morning for this moment. Father God, I thank you that for this moment in time, it's just you and God. Holy Spirit, I just pray right now. How many people would say, like myself and my parents, maybe it's a medical issue, Maybe it's family issues. Maybe it's a financial issue. But how many today would say, hand on heart, they feel that Jesus is asking or showing them an impossible problem. Do you want to just raise your hand where you are? Holy Spirit. Thank you for each hand raised right across this room. Lord God, I pray right now for each person that raised their hand and others here today. Father God, help them to choose to eat well. Help them to continue to chase after the things of you. Father God, I just ask you right now, Holy Spirit, to give them peace in their heart, even if they're in the middle of the storm. Father God, I pray, Father God, each day to help them choose thankfulness. Father God, not to lose compassion for what you're doing in their life and most of all, Lord God, to help them not write off the unlikely solutions. No matter how small it is, a seed can grow a great tree. A raindrop can bring a great storm. So Father God, whatever that seed is right now, Lord, I just ask you to let them trust in you afresh. May their roots grow deep in you. Holy Spirit and Father God, that they will discover their faith growing strong in these difficult times and they will overflow in thankfulness. Maybe for some of you today, you know, to start the journey towards just stepping out, maybe that you just need to say, Jesus, Today, I just need you to feed one, and that's me. Maybe today you've never given your life to Jesus. Maybe for some of you today, you're long in the tooth. You've, you've lived a number of years with Him, but I've found every day is a new day, and every day I love to rededicate my life to Him. So today, right now, in this place, if I just encourage you, pray this prayer with me if you want to give your life to Jesus, or in everyone in this room. If you're a follower of Jesus, just to rededicate your life to Jesus. You can pray out loud or you can pray um, however you want. But Heavenly Father, I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and Savior of the world. And I ask Jesus to save me today. And I repent of my sin. I believe you died on a cross and rose from the dead to give me life. And today I choose to let my roots grow deep in you and i choose to follow you all the days of my life in jesus name amen amen, amen. come on can we th-